Temp check. What kind of summer are we having this year? A family road trip summer? A beach bum summer? Or a wake me up when the sun sets summer? With Instacart, choose your own adventure and skip the shopping side quests. Where available, you can get ice cream delivered to your hotel, sunscreen to the pool, or cold brew to your bed. Well, door. In as fast as 30 minutes. Wherever you find yourself this summer, you can get the goods. Download Instacart for free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Excludes restaurants. Additional terms and fees apply. This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you if people send you the same generic conversation starters they message everyone else? Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. Hey guys, welcome to another edition of the Talking Metal Podcast. This is part one of three of the October edition of the Talking Metal Live show, which is a three-hour show. We're going to break it down for you hour by hour. So again, part one right now. Uh, Then the next podcast will be part two, the following part three. We have Militia from Judas Priestess on on this one with us. She actually joins us for the, the second hour too, again, which is the next episode. And also in this episode, B.B. Buell. Not exactly metal, but uh, a lot of great rock talk from B.B. Buell. So if you're into the rock and roll stuff, definitely stay tuned for a good chat with the one and only B.B. Buell. Hi, this is B.B. Buell, and you're listening to Talking Metal with the mother of rock and roll. Hi, this is Jimmy Walls, and you're listening to Talking Metal. Cool. Calling all outcasts, misfits, and degenerates. This is Talking Metal Live. On tonight's show, B.B. Buell from High Spirits, Chris Black. And later, the space ace himself, Ace Fraley. Plus, in-studio guest, the diva of Metal Militia. I'm Bud Friendly. Here's your host, Mark Striegel, without John Astronomy. Hey, hey, guys. Welcome to another edition of Talking Metal. We have Militia in the studio. How are you, Militia? Hey, guys. How you doing today? We also have B.B. Buell coming up in just a few minutes, so stay tuned for that. Later on in the evening, Ace Fraley will be calling in. Chris Black, as Bud Friendly mentioned, from a great band out of Chicago called High Spirits. So please stay tuned for those. Militia, thanks so much for coming in and hanging with us tonight. We want to get into some of your music, but real quick, Judas Priest is still going strong? Oh, yeah. Unbelievably strong. Um, we're coming up on our two-year anniversary on November 13th. So, actually, the band uh, was conceived on Friday the 13th, November, two years ago. So, we're coming up on a pretty awesome anniversary. We're going to have a little a little party and fan appreciation celebration down at Duff's Brooklyn, which I'm sure you know very well. And yes. uh, so, that'll be um, November 13th. Ooh, Excellent. Excellent. And 
Swear on Your Life, um, what's going on with them? Well, Swear on Your Life took a bit of a hiatus just because, you know, how the whole band thing goes down and, you know, you have, uh, you know, some guys that, that do all the work and some guys who don't do all the work. And I was like, you know what, this is my band. I'm cleaning house, starting fresh. Um, me and my bass player, Shane Bullos, we uh, we just played the OMAs and we brought guys in, hired guns to uh, play guitar and play drums. And uh, we played the OMAs, which are the Out Music Awards. It's a tribute to uh, Melissa Etheridge. She won a Lifetime Achievement Award, and for some reason they asked me to play in honor of her. <laughs> cool. Well, so, yeah, so, but um, I want to play a song for you today called Heavy Head, which actually is on the Black Rock Coalition uh, Reparations Volume 2 CD. And I uh, want to hear it. Here it go. Cool. We ready to go here, Judy? Okay, so we're going to play Heavy Head by Swear on Your Life by Militia, and then we'll be right back with. The one and only B.B. Buell, live in the studio here on Talking Metal. Oh, 
Welcome back to Talking Metal. What you just heard was Swear on Your Life. And that was the one and only Militia singing. Militia, do you play an uh, instrument too? or I do. I do. do. I play um, I'm a classically trained pianist since I was age seven. I used to do all those little like nerdy competitions and I used to play in your mall and kind of stuff like that for years. And then I just kind of was like, I'm bored. <laughs> I want to go play metal. <laughs> So not exactly what my parents had in mind, but it's all good. I got you. I also kind of play some guitar. I kind of suck on guitar. Going to get better. I'm taking lessons. Oh, there you go. And I uh, play bass. Cool. Well, we are honored because in the studio, we have the one and only B.B. Buell. Thanks so much for joining us, B.B. I'm happy to be here. How you doing? We are good, and we are excited about the new record, Hard Love. Let's yeah. talk about this. Uh, <laughs> why now? Why after so many years? You've obviously done some recording in the past, but well, why? Yeah, after- I mean, I've made a bunch of records. I put a record out two years ago oh, called Sugar. Yeah, uh, that E1, A to Z and E1 put out. And uh, it just started the ball rolling again. And I started playing live around the city. And Wendy Dio... Uh, saw me play last October 26th at Bob Gruen's birthday bash at the oh, R-Bar okay. and uh, asked me if she could manage my career. And um, since she came into my life, it's just been like a roller coaster. It's wow. just amazing. Uh, the next thing I knew, I was in the studio making a new album and uh, starting to play again. And uh, this record, though, is really the record I've wanted to make my entire career. Okay. I finally got the record I wanted, the sound I wanted. And Wendy let me go, let me do it on my own. She right. allowed me to pick my producers, my engineers, you know, everything that is, she just gave me full reign. And I've, I'm, I made the record that I, you know, wanted to make since I was a little girl. Cool. So. I mean, that was my next question, which you've kind of, it sounds like you've kind of answered did you know Wendy Dio from like back in the day? But it no, sounds like I, I, I thought maybe you were really, old friends. No, it's really interesting. Um, it, it was Dean Schechtel from Niji, who used he was at Warner Brothers for 18 years. And then he was at Steve Vai's label. And he's been courting me for years trying to sign me. But it was never the right situation. You, you know, and I was always an indie girl and sort of poo-pooed the, the majors. Right. So when he was at Warner's and he said, I want to sign you, I just laughed at him. Wow. I was a naughty girl, you know. I sort of poo-pooed the establishment on that in that context because, you know, I've always enjoyed sort of being a cult, a cult artist. And, um, you know, I've enjoyed, uh, you know, just doing this, you know, on the on the way I was the way I was doing it, because, you know, I I had my own little niche. But then um, with with social networking, I, I started to find out that I had fans <laughs> through Facebook and stuff. And I just didn't re- I didn't realize that I had that many. And so it sort of came as an awakening to me. And Wendy was like, wake up. <laughs> I'm putting you in the studio now and I, you're going to work. And I and I, I was thrilled because that's exactly what I wanted. And you did a lot of the songwriting on the record with, yes, with co-songwriting. With this guy right here, he co-produced the record, what? Jimmy Walls. Jimmy. And Frank Ferrar even wrote one of the songs with, with us. Frank uh, from Guns N' Roses. Yeah, yeah, Frank from Guns N' Roses. And uh, a couple of the songs with, were written with my ex-drummer, Bobby. Bobby Ray and uh, and we we wrote a, a song with somebody named Sean Saint Dom. He and Sean wrote a song "Devil You Know," which is a lot of people's favorite song on the record. 
There's a few favorites. You know, people are liking Mother of Rock and Roll, too. That seems to be the anthem, you know, the yeah. one that people are responding to. Yeah, I love to. that one. I also love uh, Devil You Know, and I, yeah. that was actually one of my questions here. Where did that song come isn't from? That a, but, isn't that a riot yeah. that it was a, qu- a quinky dink? <laughs> so, was Jimmy, qu- was that a song you wrote specifically for B.B., or no. did you have a song? He wrote this song back in 93. Am I talking? Am I being? Am I hogging the mic? But he wrote it back in 93. Yeah, I meant, I meant 2003, excuse me. <laughs> Let's get our arrows straight. 2003, and I revisited it. You know, the song. Right. I, I I just said to Jim, I said, you know, that song that you and Sean did, it was on a uh, Vacation Land record. He used to be in a band called Vacation Land. And not a lot of people heard the song. So I sort of wanted to resurrect it. And I actually sung it for Wendy in her living room to a drum track. Wow. And she said, oh, my God, that's going on the record. And she thought it was sort of a wonderful coincidence that we had this song that it wasn't premeditated that 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 Ronnie also had. This, yeah, the heaven the, and the hell. Devil, you sure. know, so. Yeah, and, and we mixed it on his birthday without wow. and, and it's just little little strange synchronistic things that sort of made us feel real good about the way everything was happening in the studio. It was kind of wonderful. And so, you know, Wendy has just been very supportive. She loved the songs and she was very vocal about, you know, what she wants. She said, look, I want you to make a record that sounds like you do live. Like when I see you, when I saw the shows, what made me want to be your manager? Right. I want you to go in there and make me that. So we go, okay, <laughs> we'll go make that soup for you, Wendy. And was it your idea to bring Frank uh, Frere into the fold or Jimmy's no, idea? Jim, Jim played with Frank. Oh, cool. Where, where do you, what band did you play in with Frank? Uh, I was in a band called New United Monster Show, which was a band that played around uh, the late 90s, around the city, you know, CBGBs and Continental and that type right, of sure. thing. And we kind of needed a drummer at that point, so I called up Frank, and luckily he was on hiatus from GNR, and he came in and killed it. Excellent. Can I just interject Oh, here? yeah, yeah, please. I have a big, soft place in my heart for Frank Ferrer. I used to play with him, too. Years ago, I put together a group called Anarchists of Color, and it was all, like, the awesomest brown-skinned players I've ever met. And he wasn't in GNR yet, and he was just like... He made he made toothpicks out of those drum those drumsticks. It was it was unbelievable. So the you know, fact he's that he one wrote of the on your record that is awesome. oh he well he he and Jim and um, a guy named John Robinson wrote one of the songs called "Got It All Wrong." But when I heard it, I just wanted to completely rewrite the lyrics because I just thought that the hook and the music was amazing. But I I felt that the lyrics needed they needed you know my touch, you know, right. so I, I took them and I rewrote them. <laughs> so I sort of, uh, I claimed that one too, cause that was another song that had been laying around that I felt didn't get it, get the attention that it deserved. Mm-hmm. So I, I drug that one out of his, of his little writing bolt or chest yeah, or yeah, whatever you call it. Yeah. <laughs> now, you, now I, you, 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 Wendy Dio. And of course, uh, I think the album says, uh, Ronnie, gave you spiritual in- inspiration and you just mentioned that I think before yeah, because Did- I didn't know Ronnie that was my question you know you I didn't know, know Ronnie I didn't know any of these people and um just the way it all happened the way they came into my life was kind of it's very special it's interesting and 
you know, when you don't think about things and when you don't plot and when you don't scheme and when you don't go after something and it just happens organically, that's really the stuff you got to pay attention to. Sure. And she was up at some TJ Martell event and she noticed that some people were leaving you know, leaving the party and Dean just said, where's everybody going? And they said, oh, we're going downtown because B.B. Buell's getting ready to play at Bob Gruen's birthday party. Right. And she's dressed as a devil. You know, and it's like, <laughs> awesome. so, and, and when he goes dressed as a devil, what do you mean? You know, and, and I've never dressed as a devil in my life. Right. It was just a, something to celebrate Halloween. And um, so they became very curious. And so Dean said, we've got to go, Wendy, please. I've been trying to sign her for a while. Come, please come down and let's take a look. Maybe she'll be right for Niji. Right. Well, it, it went a step further. You know, after she saw the band, she decided that not only was it right for Niji, but that she wanted to manage me, that she wanted to take me sort of under her wing. And then it was just, woo, from there, she, I, I, the next thing I knew, I was in L.A., I was presenting an award at the Polestar Awards and getting all new pictures taken, you know, all the, all the new pictures. And you guys, if I get a little woozy, that's because I'm a little under the weather. Yeah, nothing, well, thank you so much that, for making the, the trip in here. Nothing that you would to, catch because right. it was my, it was a stomach, a stomach virus. So I suffered for 24 hours and I'm getting my strength back, but Good. I'm a little, I keep, I notice I keep going, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's not drugs, I promise. Now you've, you've obviously, <laughs> it's DayQuil, <laughs> been, been a part of, of the rock and roll scene for, for quite some time now and you've probably seen it evolve and go through different stages and phases. Where where do you think rock is heading at this stage? Well, in my world, it's heading, you know, to the place of purity and passion. Right. You know, that, you know, that's what everybody keeps saying to me collectively about my album is it's so passionate. You know, I feel that you really mean it. You know, OK, those are all the things I want to hear because that's the truth. You know, it's it's just a throwdown. You know, it's sort of me just owning it, just going, look, okay, I'm not 15 kids. You know, you know, I've been playing music for over 30 years. I've put out enough indie records to start my own record store and all kinds of little crazy cassettes and this and that, you know, all the little collectible new haha, you sure. know, and, and, um, this is the record that I, you know, that I'm, that I made as truly my introduction into a this is the first record i've ever had in best buy yeah wow. you know and and you know this is the first time you know i've gotten this much uh attention for a record and it's kind of thrilling and i i enjoy it i love it and i figure i raised my daughter you know i'm married to another fellow gypsy so if i could right. spend the rest of my life being a gypsy and touring and and being a you know, a nutcase on stage. Yes, give it, bring it. I mean, so are there tours in in, in plan? Uh, yeah, well, that's what that's right Wendy's. Or? Yes, Wendy is. All of this is being. You know, I'm. I've got some stuff coming up. You know, I'm doing this thing that we were dis discussing, um, Militia, uh, for Don Hill, a tribute to his life, which will be at Irving Plaza on December the fifteenth. And then in January, I'm doing a residency at the New Cutting Room. Oh, okay, and, cool. And, you know, I'll be playing like three Wednesdays, and then I'm saving the final one for Valentine's Day. Because I'm giving Wendy that time to plot the next... She wants me to go over to Germany and Argentina and the UK, because those are the next territories that the CD's coming out in physical form. Mm, okay. So it's, it's available everywhere digitally. 
but right now it's just CDs in this country in Canada. But it's starting to expand as the demand comes in. And the pre-sales and the pre-orders on the record were really good. So, um, hey, go figure. I, You know, I'm just... You know, I'm just enjoying this. I figure I've worked really hard, and my fans are the ones that are making this happen. You know, Wendy's just giving me the vehicle to be able to be people to be able to go buy my stuff now instead yeah. of having to, you know, take a tank down to the middle of Mississippi somewhere to some old mom and pop store. You know, which is still the <laughs> coolest in the world. You know, I want to do, I want to be in those stores, but I want people to be able to hear my stuff now. You know, I'm, I'm at a point where, you know, I just really. I want to tour. So yeah. in order to tour, you have to have a larger, you know, what's the, what's the thing they say? You have to turn your fan base into a, Oh. Authentic consumer conversion. Yeah, consumer conversion. <laughs> oh, Whatever. Uh, I'd give it all away if I could, I swear to God. But unfortunately, that doesn't get you on the road. I mean, the road costs money. And, you know, the way Wendy's plotting my whole touring schedule, I'll probably be doing it for the next couple of years pretty solid. Wow. And it's awesome. You seem very excited by what you're doing, which is, is, is great to, to see and hear. Um, I love what I do. Let's, I, I, you owe it to your fans. You know, you really can't do this unless you want to do it. Very true. You know? Very yeah. true. Now let's talk about some of the, the most exciting live acts you've ever seen. You've obviously seen a lot of groups uh, oh, yeah. through your time. Uh, what what bands really stand out as some of the, the best live performances? Well, some of the greatest shows performers. I ever saw got early Alice Cooper, um, the Stooges, of course, the MC5. Um, you know, just seeing the MC5, that was like truly scary. If anybody says that, you know, the Sex Pistols are punk rock, no, they're not. Yeah. Go see the MC5 in 1972, and you know, oh. and 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 and, and <laughs> you'll get a real education on what real punk rock is. It's it's um I, I always like very dangerous music, and I was very inspired by Iggy Pop and Mick Jagger and and certain vocalists and their style, and um you know and and some of the most exciting shows. Let's see, um, let's get current. I love Living Things. I've seen a couple of great Living oh, okay. Things gigs. I uh, sang backup for them. Yeah, they're they're, they're, yeah. they're amazing. Mm, and and awesome. um, let's see. Oh, I've seen uh, the White Stripes be brilliant. I've seen some great Jack White. I've seen Dead Weather be brilliant. Yeah, mm -hmm. I love Dead Weather. Dead Weather. Mm -hmm. And um, there's something about Alison Mosshart. She's delicious, isn't she? <laughs> you know, she's just really good at what she does. And. Um, Oh, gosh. You know, it would be so impossible for me. You know, one regret, I've never seen Jimi Hendrix, but I've seen about, you know, I've seen all the great, brilliant singer-songwriters and, and, you know, Bowie, Springsteen, and I've seen Led Zeppelin. And I've, you know, I, I yeah, I, I've been so fortunate. But I think probably the, the Dead Boys and the Ramones, those were thrilling live shows to see. Yeah, sure. You know, especially the Dead Boys. They were one of the most underrated bands ever, you know? Definitely. So, um, gosh. Let's circle back to the CD. We, we mentioned, uh, obviously, Jimmy and, and Frank, but who else is involved in playing on the CD with you? Well, Pete Marshall, who played with Iggy Pop for eight years on both bass and guitar. He played bass on the album. But now he's my second guitar player. Okay. He's, and I got Enzo Pinazzotto in my band, who used to play with me in the late 90s and then ran off with Joan Jett. Oh, okay. And now has come back to me from Joan Jett. 
So <laughs> sounds like a love affair, but it's a, but, it is. But it's a base of <laughs> but it's a base affair. Really he heard my album and he decided he you know I, he missed us and he wanted to play with us again. And we were thinking of moving Pete over to second guitar anyway because mm. we really want you know the, the the live sound to be as big and fat as the record. You know, and so now Enzo's on bass. Okay. And Frank had to go off with Guns N' Roses, so we found this brilliant 28-year-old drummer. She used to play with Les Zeppelin. Her oh, name right. is Sarah Tomac. Oh, I know my, her. Oh, my God. She is yes. so good. Yes, she is. She She's is excellent. scary, charismatic, brilliant, stunning, and her energy is is just wonderful to have around. Cool. And then I have Zach Lasher, another very young kid, Um on keyboards and he used to be with this like jam band that everybody's into called you melt. <laughs> so you, so you take all these different personalities and you toss it into the pie and you get the BB Buell band. And, yeah. Cool. And I rip your face off. You know, we're pretty, we're pretty ferocious and you know, I might have on a leopard dress right now, but I can still hurt you live. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Excellent. And where did you and Jimmy meet? Where did you and Jimmy meet? What? Where did you and Jimmy meet? Oh, my God. Jim and I met about 12 years ago at a party at the Continental and his band, New United Monster Show, who, who were really hot and just and who was it that wanted to sign you, Geffen? Yeah. Yes. And um, every, everybody called them numbs. And and my band that Enzo was in before he ran off with Joan. And uh, <laughs> and so um, we saw each other from across the room. It was just one of those things. You know, we met at work. <laughs> We met, we met at the office. I love it. <laughs> we met at the office, and then we just started seeing each other all the time. Right. And I, I remember I was telling my friend Hilly Crystal, who ran CB, you know, sure. you know Hilly. I, I was like, oh, my God, Hilly, I think I've met the greatest guy and blah, blah, blah. And he's going, oh, oh well, we'll see, you know. <laughs> and so, I, so I'm at home, and he calls me up, and he goes, BB, you know that guy you like? You know that one in Numbs? You better get over here. He's here right now. And I lived on Mercer Street. I liter literally lived 10-minute walk from CBGB's. Yeah. He's here right now. He goes, get over here. Wow. <laughs> look at Hilly being the Hilly, matchmaker. Yeah. <laughs> Hilly was like, well, because he always thought that Jim was a, a really good guy and that uh -huh. I needed a good guy for uh -huh. a change. Oh, so, that. That's such a good story. So, so he kind of brought us together. And then we you know, started to date. And so we've been... Doing but he had other bands and stuff. We didn't really start buckling under and playing together until around 2007. Oh, okay. Yeah, 2008. And I saw a lot of familiar names in your special thanks list yeah. uh, in the CD, and I just had to ask you about okay. Jeff from Ultrasound. Of course. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I you know, I, I, sh I should have my own plaque in there for how many hours I've logged in that place. Yeah, rehearsing. I mean, he's been there for probably Since the 25 years at this point, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, great guy, yeah. though, and uh, I was happy to see his name in there. Absolutely. Cool. Well, we'd love to play a track for the Talking Metal listeners. We'll play a couple tracks, actually. What do you want to start off with? Oh, gosh, let's see. Um, what do you want to start off with? What, what, do, you, what do you like? Well, I, I, you know, I, I mentioned Devil You Know um, yeah. earlier, so maybe we'll start with that, and then we'll um, come back and wrap things up and... Well, is, is there a single per se? Yeah, well, Mother of Rock and Roll is going to be the single. I'm, I'm kind of intrigued by Mother of Rock and Roll. Okay, well, let's start Just with as that. Female, then. I'm into it. Mother of Rock and Roll. You got it. Here it is. This awesome. is Mother of Rock and Roll. Go buy this CD or download on iTunes 
And the album, the full album, is called Hard Love. And the packaging's great. Uh, a lot of people don't experience Aniji packaging. is famous for their packaging. I yeah. mean, you saw, you've, you see how they package things. I mean, Wendy, she makes her, she wants her artist to look good. And she's really particular about the packaging. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, it's it's really amazing to have a label that gives them hoopy yeah. doopy. Yeah, it's a great looking, <laughs> it's not only a great sounding CD, a great looking CD. And this is the mother of rock and roll.
You're listening to Talking Metal Live. And now, back to the fucking action. We have B.B. Buell in the studio, a brand new record out called Hard Love. Be sure you guys support this. We're going to have, if you're listening to the podcast version of today's show, we're going to have links and uh, notes up. Those links will take you right to iTunes where you can down this album. I suggest actually going out and buying the CD again for the uh, the great packaging. I love it. So, all right. What I want to know and what I'm sure all the listeners want to hear. <laughs> Here we go. Baby, what is up with the raccoon story? The Led Zeppelin raccoon story? Uh-huh. Yeah, this story, it's it's a, it's a one of those folklore stories. It gets, you know, every, it, the whispering down the lane. Every time it gets told, it gets told seven different ways. But the real true story is I had a Kawadi Monday. And when I met Jimmy in L.A. and Todd abandoned me at the Hyatt House with this raccoon. Oh, wait, back up. What is a Kawadi Monday? It's a South American raccoon. Okay. And it, it has a long nose. And Todd went to San Francisco and sort of left me in L.A. We had an argument with this creature. And, um, you know, Jimmy sort of rescued me. And we began dating. And we had been in L.A. for several days. He took me to the Swan Song Party. And it was time to go back to New York. And, um, you know, of course, I cried and blah, blah. You know, all the stuff little silly girls do. And um, he said, well, why don't you just fly back with us? And I said, but what about my raccoon? And he said, well, we'll, you know, we'll take it with us. And so we get to the airport and, uh, of course they, I didn't have any papers for this creature, you know, saying that it wasn't going to bite you and give you some crazy disease. And it, it, but it was fine. You know, it, it had, it goes to the vet just like a cat or a dog, you know, it was (laughs) fine, but I didn't have papers with me. So he literally just bought first class. they, they weren't even gonna. They, they weren't even gonna let me take it on the plane, or even. They, then they said. Then they gave in and said, "Okay, you can put it under the plane with the dogs." Oh. And more, more <laughs> freaking out. And so the next thing I knew, you know, he bought the whole first class. You know, so so all the any empty seats. So uh-huh. the band and the raccoon and me, we had, had the whole plane. Awesome. We had the whole plane, and I don't think I saw the stewardesses, but maybe twice because they were in the bathroom the whole time with the band. You know, it was like, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> that was the craziest six hours of my life. That was back when you could smoke cigarettes on planes. Oh and, sure, you know everything was just sort of anything goes, and very different. It now. was very loose. You know, there was a lot. I was of, born too late. I there think. was a lot of drinking and craziness going on in there. Well, you know, it was funny because, you know, I just sort of watched mm-hmm. in wonderment. And Jimmy, and you know, was he sat with me most of the time. He was a little bit of a voyeur himself, too. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> Let's just watch all the fun. I love it. That's <laughs> yeah. great. What a story. Yes. And we ate beautifully. Oh, God. We still, they had, you know, that was when first class had, well, I think you can still get caviar and all that kind of stuff in, on some flights. I think they still do it. But it, since 9-11, you know, it's not as fancy and right. not quite as um, luxurious and elegant. You know, I don't think you even get real silverware now, do you? I don't think it's... I think, I think you it's, have to pay for everything extra. Uh, it's, it's all, it's all included. very strange. But, um, but, you know, so I just, I do remember it being like quite a dining experience and Jimmy giving the raccoon like, 
all the fruit that it wanted. <laughs> I love it. John I Bonham to, like, trying to give it a whiskey. Oh, you sure that's you, great. You sure you don't want a drink? You sure you don't need a little snoots now? Come on. And I, I mean, I wanted to kill him trying that to give so that poor funny. little raccoon alcohol. <laughs> When's the last time you heard from Jimmy Page? Oh my God, I haven't seen Jimmy. Let's see. When? Well, you know, that's that's maybe it hasn't been that long. I think we ran into him. Didn't he come to see you play? Yes, he did. Hills? He did, and that was the time. That I'd say maybe. When was that? Like ninety-eight. Okay, maybe not, ninety-eight. Yeah, not that long ago. Right, yeah. You know. Um, I mean, I mean, we're not BFFs. I don't right. call him up. Hey, hi, how you doing, Silver Fox? You know, I mean, it's not, <laughs> I mean, I'm married and I'm right. busy. You know, but mm-hmm. when I see him, I'm. It's very nice, you know. And and I thought it was very amazing that he came to see me play. And I mean, I've looked out in my audience and seen all kinds of people that have shocked me to death. Like who? Who else? Michael Stipe. You know what? Wow. You know, I've I've been on stage and and just I've seen uh, seen Kate Moss. You know, I see this writhing, this beautiful writhing creature and I watching it writhe and I was like, I get a little closer and it's Katie Moss and, you know, just, just interesting people always come to see me play and my crowd's very young. You know, I don't know what it is with, with what I'm doing musically and 20 old, you know, the young girls, they're, they're there. And that was what was so great about my show last week at Hero. You know, I keep telling people about my young girls. I call them BB's babies. And of course, Wendy's gone right to work making T-shirts now. Oh. The BB's babies. <laughs> That's brilliant. And, and Dean's like, let's put two little nipples. I'm like, no, I think we're just <laughs> fine with the, the BB babies, you know. So, um, yeah, you know, I, I try to explain it to people that uh, there's really no demographic at one of my shows. You know, it's... I don't I don't make music just for a certain age group. It's an all ages experience. Sure. And I, I try to explain that. And until you come and experience it, it's kind of, kind of hard to understand it. So I remember trying to explain it to our, our new publicist, Bianca, who's brilliant. And so finally after the show, she came up to me and she said, oh, my God, you know, the girls, the kids. And I was like, I know. She got and, it. Yeah. yeah and it, but. It's kind of cool. You know, young girls, they want to hear rock music. So what direction do I think rock is going? You know, I I think it's coming back. I think people just want to hear music that people make from their hearts with real instruments. You know, people hear people organically playing again. You know, I made a record with machines with Sugar a couple years ago. I did it because I needed to get into the studio and I was losing my mind. And if I didn't make a record soon, I would go crazy. Mm. So I said, Mr. Pro Tools is my friend right now. But but if you have a chance to not do that right. <laughs> and really make a real record right. with real you know musicians and real sure. instruments and great equipment and vintage amps and and just personality i mean it's like just listening to that track right now the those drums i i you know i know frank and, and yeah. i was like that's frank you know you hear his personality come yeah, through yeah and that's what the what's great about the combustion of people the chemistry you know that we that i've you know i'm not going to say accidentally have come upon but it sort of is kind of magical the way it's all unfolded so i i don't question it but you know, and having Sarah, I can't, you know, if, if you come see us play in January. We know, Sarah is the new yeah. drummer, right? When you see this girl play, I mean, it's incredibly inspiring. I mean, I'm in, trying to inspire people from one end of the spectrum to the other. Look how young this girl is and look how she plays. Yeah. And look at me, you know, I'm a, I'm the kid, the kid of the group, really. You know, it's, <laughs> it's, 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 it's kind of interesting 
ageism and sexism and all the isms and all the stuff that deter growth and deter people from really listening to what they want to listen to, that's my job to squash. You know, I'm here to stomp on I love that. The cockroach of sexism. Oh, I love that. Very good. Brilliant. Thank you. Thank you. My grad <laughs> my drag queens taught me well. Oh, <laughs> I love it. Oh, that's brilliant. Well, uh, your passion and excitement about what you're doing is contagious, and I, I think uh, everybody has to go out and check this record out. Again, B.B. Buell, Hard Love, and uh, thanks so much for coming by. We're going to play another song here. Are we live? We are live now, and this will actually go out for a, in a, in podcast form over iTunes in probably about a week or less, uh -huh. and that's where most of our listeners are, but we right. definitely have some some people checking us out right now live Great. on the stream. Yeah. Hi. So. <laughs> <laughs> so if we could get an ID from you saying your name and you're listening to Talking Metal. Hi, this is B.B. Buell, and you're listening to Talking Metal cool. with the mother of rock and roll. <laughs> Excellent. And Jimmy, why don't we get one from you, too? Hi, this is Jimmy Walls, and you're listening to Talking Metal. Cool. Thanks so much, guys, for coming by Talking Metal, and this is The Devil You Know. Oh, before we let you go, website. Do you want to plug a website before well, we are? Let's see. What do we? You know it. You tell. Website is uh, www.bbbuell.org. .org. Okay, there you go. Yeah, and you can follow <laughs> me on Twitter. Oh, I love my Twitters. Do you know your Twitter uh, yeah, name? Yeah, it's uh, Band. Okay, great. And it's a verified cool. account, so it'll have that little blue check, so you'll be able to know it's me. Excellent. Because I think there's a couple of fakies on there, but the B.B. Buell band, not the, just B.B. Buell band is truly me. Cool. We'll have those names and links up in the show notes for the podcast version on TalkingMetal.com. Guys, this is Devil You Know. <laughs> Maybe if we hide, maybe 
That was Got It All Wrong by B.B. Buell and co-written by Frank Farrar, who you actually played with, Militia, right? Yes, I did. Um, You know, just to be quite brutally out there, pretty much all the black rock and roll people know each other. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Just from like being around, you know, and you're like the only one and then you see another only one and it's just kind of like, oh... Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're an only one too, and then right. you know, sure. there you go. So, um, Frank used to play drums here and there for a night called Bitch. I can say Bitch. Yeah, right? uh, my okay. wife actually used to occasionally sing yes. at that. Yes. Well, that's how I met yeah. your wife. Yeah. Hello, Emily. Yes. Um, so, Bitch used to happen at Don Hills, Don R.I.P. Um, and uh, he, it, it just used to be like a a celebration of women coming out to do and perform metal songs, hard rock songs, whatever. Used to be on Wednesdays like once a month. And it was really like a New York City rock and roll experience. Sure. You know, like if you hung out in the scene, you were at Bitch on Wednesdays. And you got to see just like a slew of the most talented people A lot of great singers. I mean, I would go numerous times to that and just was blown away by the talent. Sure, sure. And like... They used to talk about making documentaries about it, movies, whatever. It never happened, unfortunately. But um, all the girls Steve have a bond. Blush. Was that the guy? Steve Blush. Steve was, yeah. Blush. Yep, absolutely. Who uh, did American Hardcore. And um, he's working on a new movie now, actually, um, which I don't have too much information about. But I'm sure if you go to his website, you can find it out. Um, but anywho, so I met Frank Ferrer because he was hired to play drums in the bitch band. And took mental note of him being awesome because he would play and the sticks would literally just shred and there would be a slew of splinters around the drum kit after he was done playing. It was just, it was obscene and phenomenal he and hits amazing. so hard, you know, and it's just it's such a physical experience just watching him and listening to him. Oh, yeah. That, that's yeah. why they call him the Thunder Chucker. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> but we, um, I actually hired Frank to play in... Um, a show that I produced called Anarchists of Color. And I basically took all those, you know, only black person that used to hang out in this scene and that scene and put them all together on the same stage. Mm. So we did it actually in an off-Broadway theater called The Belt, which is no longer there. Uh, It was a a side venue next to The Zipper, Mm, which was not too far from here, actually, where we are at Bionic. Um, And the show was just phenomenal. We did it there. We did it at The Cutting Room. And, you know, we sang songs and it was all like, Prince, uh, Seven Dust, Rage Against the Machine, ah, okay. Jimi Hendrix, Mother's Finest, like Sounds stuff that awesome. doesn't make sense to be in the same show, but it did for this purpose. Yeah. And uh, Felicia Collins, who's in the Letterman Band, mm-hmm. was the guitar player. And um, a couple other people that came in that were playing. And it was just, it was such a unique experience. There's there's pictures and things on my Facebook and there's a website still. Cool. And what, speaking of Facebook and the whole online thing, tell the Talking Metal listeners where they can get in touch with you online. Uh, Find me on Facebook. Um, You can go to facebook.com slash militia is my name. Um, You can also find me with uh, Judas Priestess at facebook.com slash Judas Priestess fans. And there's also a Facebook for swearing your life. So facebook.com slash soil NYC. Cool. Um, oh, you know what was another thing I wanted to tell you about in relation to that? Yes. Um, I don't know, but 
<laughs> Pretend you know. Okay. Um, I'm actually doing some hosting work later tonight. Um, so if anyone's listening live, I will be hosting the CMJ Afropunk Festival. That's going to oh, be okay. at Williamsburg Music Hall. Um, I will be introducing some bands and the headlining band Death is going to be there. So I am so excited. I'm going to be announcing them tonight and death. it's going to be killer. Not, not Yes. Yes, the death, like that bl- seminal black punk band, yes. Oh, but not Chuck Schuldiner's death. Oh, no, no, yeah. no, 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 <laughs> I was no. going to say, that would be tough considering Chuck's dead. Yeah, but, no, uh, no, 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 this is the other death. You know, yeah. the other death. Cool. So the showcase tonight's called Death to Hip Hop, which is so clever. It's like death and then like more of the hip hop-y Afropunk bands like uh, Jersey Clan and... Um, uh, Cerebral Ballsy, who's more like rap and punk. Um, they've been getting a lot of attention on um, uh, Cartoon Network. Oh, actually. yeah, really? Yeah. Interesting. They play their videos on Cartoon Network uh, for Adult Swim and whatnot. Okay. So this is actually my second time doing an event with Afropunk. Um, I was supposed to host the event that got brutally rained out by Hurricane Irene, mm. unfortunately, um, which was going to be a really big event with CeeLo Green headlining and blah, blah, blah. Hopefully next year we can get it together. Cool. And you're, you're very active on Twitter. I know, uh, from being on Twitter that, so definitely any of you guys, I know a lot of you talking metal people are on Twitter, so definitely check uh, militia out there. Sure. Find me on Twitter, twitter.com slash militia is my name. Now, how does that work? Do people like sync their um, Twitter and uh, Facebook, Facebook? Like some updates? people do, but uh, I think no. that's cheating. Yeah, uh, so there's something like inorganic and impersonal about it to me. So I don't do that. All my stuff is live, as I feel it. And believe me, I, my Twitter is not a diary. Right. You're not going to hear about what I ate for breakfast or anything crazy like that. You know, you're just going to hear about things that I think are interesting or important stuff that's worth sharing. Very it's good. not like a verbal diarrhea for me. Now so you, definitely add me because I well, I think I post a lot of interesting things up there. Cool. And uh, you brought in some tracks uh, to play. We're going to play one right right now or very shortly. The Ripper by Judas Priest. Yeah, I would love to hear a Judas Priest song right now. Now, of course, Judas Priestess, Going Strong. And this is a song I would imagine that's in the set, right? Oh, sure. Uh, we play The Ripper. It's one of our favorites, our fan, fans' favorites. Um, yes, I hit all the notes for you questioners out there. Um, I wouldn't have gotten the job otherwise. Um, but I also want to give a shout out to my girls that are listening. Hey, Judas Priestess, the coven of the Judas Priestesses. And um, this weekend we're going to be at uh, the Hard Rock in Niagara Falls. So it's our first time to that area. We're playing uh, the Pinktober event for um, breast cancer awareness. Oh, so that's going to be an awesome Great. cause. Very now, much so. Um we're Judas- also playing Endicott on Saturday at the downtown quarterback. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Excellent. So Judas Priest recently in town, uh, I saw them uh, do a sound check up at the Jimmy Fallon show. And then uh, you actually saw the actual performance. Yes. Why did I, you leave? I, well, the sound check was at like 12 noon and mm-hmm. uh, I, I was able to sneak in there through a, a friend of mine and it was it was amazing. It was like me and Judas Priest and like four people standing there. It. So yeah. And uh Got to say hi to Rob, and then actually had a long conversation with uh, with Glenn, and he was telling me about him and Rob are doing all sorts of writing together, oh, and beautiful. yeah, and there's going to be more. You know, this is the last tour, but it's not the end of Priest. And I, I wish I would have had the mic out because I was sure. like, this is a talking metal interview because it went on. He was he was like on a roll. I'd interviewed oh. Glenn once before, and it was before a Jones Beach concert, Heaven and Hell, Judas Priest Jones Beach concert, mm-hmm. and he was. I'm starting to realize that whenever I 
interview these people like seconds before they go on stage, they're grouchy and they don't want to do the interview. Yeah, that, that is the worst time to interview an artist is before we go out. The yeah. worst, because you're in the zone. Yeah. You're in the zone. Yeah. It's like a boxer, like getting amped up. You're in yeah. the zone. Yeah. You know? And so I'm like, I'm starting to think, because it's funny, Biff, uh, if you guys stay tuned, we're going to have a great interview with Biff from Saxon in an upcoming episode. And I, I met up with him at his hotel, um, you know, he was in town. It was an off day. This is like last week uh, from the Saxon tour. And he was in such a good mood. And it was the same thing. Last time I interviewed Biff, it was five minutes before he went on stage. And I felt like, you know, I, I don't want to do this. Yeah, you know? I can't. So, so um, definitely, uh, definitely. And right after is not a good time either. Right. Yeah. Because you just like given it and you're just kind of like need to collect yourself. Yeah. So anybody that's like a professional interviewer out there, those are the two no-no times. There you go. Unless you want to get decked. <laughs> Let's talk about Halford, though. Uh, it's just every time I see him, not every time, but most times I see him, um, I'm just continually blown away by this like 60-year-old man at this point. I How know. amazing. I mean, he was so so spot on hitting the notes yes. and, 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 oh, and seems to... Not always, but ninety five percent of the time he seems to be that way, which is more than than most singers I oh, see I in these concerts. Well, and, and that's how does, why he's the metal god. Yeah, <laughs> how, how does he do that? Like, is it just is it a natural talent coming from somebody who's a great singer? Uh, is it a natural talent, or do you think it, it's something that he developed over the years? Or um, it's all of those things. It's all of those things. I think he was naturally born with that talent. Also, there's something to be said for. Um, where you grow up, the way you speak, the way you learn to speak, um, where it sits in your, it's the placement of it sits in your mouth and your resonance and everything. It's the whole instrument, just like a guitar. It's the whole body. So, I mean, literally the way he speaks is kind of forward and, you know, the the focus of it is higher than, I guess, most people speak. But I guess... Through the years, you hear a lot of people who kind of speak like this. Yeah. Like, you wouldn't think they were, like, great singers because they don't have the presence or the resonance that someone who speaks forward does. Um, it's actually a lot of work to speak like this. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, but some people just get used to it, and that's the way their instrument starts taking shape. That's you know, yeah. he speaks forward. And I find that, like, people from certain areas of the U.K. have that naturally. Or like right. just like how people from New York are very loud speakers, yeah. Just because of your environment where you grow up, and all of that takes part in how your instrument's being created. Let me ask you before we get into the song too, because the the Ripper obviously is an older Judas Priest song. Um, I feel that through the years, his voice. His, his singing style has either changed or his voice has changed. He's Both. still hitting all those notes. But when I listen to some of those older tracks, especially stuff off of like Hellbent for Leather, it, it sounds like he was singing deeper, like more in his mm -hmm. throat as opposed to like maybe he was even singing incorrectly back then, but it's almost raw in some ways. Sure. Is that, does that, is that right? You well, can... there's a, yeah, there's a way to add, I call it colors. There's a way to add colors to your voice. Just like how you wouldn't talk to your wife the same way you talk to like one of your boys. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's different the way you color your words. Um, it gives you a different, um, it gives you a different energy to them, I gotcha. you know? So for hell bent for leather, I'm assuming because it's tougher, you know, it's like a more gruff kind of voice, which I mean, I use that same technique when I'm singing anything. I'm like, okay, what am I singing about? 
how do I describe it? Like if someone couldn't speak English, would they be able to understand what I'm communicating? And you do by the colors mm -hmm. of the words. So um, every singer, they go through, you know, experimentation, you know, just like how a guitar player or a drummer can experience when learn different styles. Right. It's the same thing with vocals. Like you're not just given one way of making sound. Gotcha. You have a bunch of different degrees of sound. Cool. Very insightful. We're going to get into a song right now that you will hear in the set by Judas Priestess when you go check them out, which everybody should. Niagara Falls, uh, I know we do have listeners in upstate New York and Canada, so definitely make the trip down to check out that show. Where is that show again? It's going to be at the Hard Rock Cafe. Oh, cool. At uh, Niagara Falls on the USA side, not the Canada side. So Americans, you don't need your passports. Right. Canadians, you do. Gotcha. <laughs> this is The Ripper by Judas Priest. In for surprise, you're in for a shock. In London town streets, when there's darkness and fire. When you least expect me, and you 